All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man Majama, Carrie Smith, who I think is back. Are you back, Carrie? Hi. Hi. She's back. Um, today, we get to talk to someone we're very excited to talk to, uh, Dr. Linda Blade. Dr. Blade holds a PhD in kinesiology from Simon Fraser University in Canada. And she's also a former Canadian champion in track and field in the heptathlon, which is kind of badass. Uh, she spent the past 30 years working as a sports performance professional, designing and implementing training programs for athletes across the spectrum, from beginner to elite in over 15 sports, uh, including actually speed and agility training for the Edmonton Oilers prospects, and training Olympic gold medal winners in figure skating, uh, Jamie Sale and David Peltier. At the request of the International Association of Athletics Federations, Dr. Blade traveled the world to reach Muslim, to teach Muslim women how to coach girls in athletics, including a 1995 trip to Tehran in which she mentored 30 of Iran's top female coaches. She currently serves as president of the Board for Athletics Alberta, the track and field association in the province of Alberta, Canada. It was in this capacity that Dr. Blade was asked to review the latest gender inclusion policies being promoted by Justin Trudeau's uh, Minister of Sports. She's since been a voice of reason defending girls and women from the encroachment of radical trans activism into sports. You can follow her on Twitter at Coach Blade and on Instagram at Blade Athletics. So Dr. Blade, uh, with that, welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. Let me see if, uh, yeah, there we go. Can you hear me can now? Hear me now? Muted. There you are. I want to make sure you were not muted. Welcome to Deprogrammed. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So maybe, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your kind of more recent backstory, because it wasn't until 2018 that the, this issue really popped up on your radar when you were um, in your capacity as, as president. So can you tell us a little bit what was going on and, and yeah. got in? Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me, Carter and Carrie. Um, it's a big honor. Um, I've enjoyed listening to various podcasts of yours in the past. And I will just say that <clears throat> some of your recent discussions kind of inspired me to think about, you know, how I could maybe even have a chance to talk to you because you were talking about Rachel McKinnon and various things. And I, this, I had no clue, actually, uh, until about a year or two ago. Uh, what was going on? Um, you know, as a coach, most of my life, as my professional life, I've just been a coach and you get busy and you're just in the trenches coaching athletes and in the gyms. And, um, but then I got elected as president of Athletics Alberta around 2014. And then as one of the, uh, the only um, female um, president of a province in Canada, um, you know, I have to attend meetings with all the other presidents and at one of our meetings in January of 2018 they said well we're having a gender committee and maybe you can be you know they didn't say the token woman but I mean sure we need we women and men on this committee and maybe you can be on the committee and I definitely with my background in human biology I thought well that's you know for sure um and so I, we were told that we are given some documentation and I looked at these documents and I thought, oh my God, like as a human biologist, I looked at this and I thought, this is just not possible because I was looking at some of the policies and I'm thinking, well, that means like the implication was 
we're going to have boys and girls sports uh, and girls races and events. And we're going to have um, <clears throat> males and female locker rooms. And I think for me as a president of a provincial sports association, that my, my biggest worry was, well, as much as I worry about those two things, also officials, the competition officials might be charged with hate speech for simply asking if somebody would be in the right sports category. And I know that most of our competition officials are volunteers and some of them mostly retired people. A lot of them are. And I can't imagine anybody who we'd be able to get to volunteer if they thought their lives would be turned upside down just by officiating and making sure everything was being fair um, and that the categories were biologically accurate. So I, I, I became very alarmed at just the idea that, that all of us would be at risk. And um, I'm probably at risk even saying this, but you know what? It has to be said because otherwise we don't have sport. Like we can't run sport this way. And, um, you know, and so I said that at, around the table. And then I, I thought, oh, yeah, everybody's just going to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh, I, it was just like this uncomfortable silence <laughs> and they're going well what are we supposed to do what do we we just have to kind of accept it not gonna what are we supposed to do and I said what do you mean what are we supposed to do like we have policies <laughs> no we we won't have a policy on this we can't dare have a policy on like we just have to go along with whatever you know, the policy is given to us and blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, not really. But, you know, I, I learned very quickly that that's, um, you know, you're going to have to um, probably go this alone and, and, and really stick up for women and girls because everybody else seems to be afraid. Yep. So maybe you can just describe to us what the arguments for this, are. like what arguments are they using, if any, for well it's it's it was frustrating because you know we go to the national meetings and it's almost all women promoting like it's the the um the feminists who are um inclusive or what do you call that the um social justice people but intersectional inter oh is it intersectional yeah. okay that's because i don't even know the language of this stuff yeah time. like it's just okay so there's an intersectional feminist up there saying yeah, yeah, yeah. It should work really well. We're trying to be safe and fair and inclusive. And, um, and I said, it's none of these. It's none of these. Like, how can it be safe for girls to have a guy in the bathroom with them? And how is it inclusive when it's excluding girls? If you have a, if you have, if you allow men into races, you're literally taking the spot of female athlete, whether he wins or not. Right. And, and so you're literally saying, so there's going to be in a final of eight females, you're going to have a biological male in one of those lanes. That means a girl didn't get to the final. One of the right. females didn't get to the final. Or even if they don't, if he gets 10th or 11th, everybody bumps down a notch. Yep. So it's literally, you're literally excluding people. Absolutely. And, and so it's just, it, it was, I couldn't get it. So I actually put my hand up in the meeting nationally and I said, but why are we even doing this? Like, why are we doing this? And they said, well, because it's the right thing to do. Like they didn't give me a reason. Uh, it's yeah. the right thing. Like they were, they were astonished that I asked that question. And I, and I was, I was astonished that they were astonished because can't you see 
what I'm saying? Like, can't you see that this isn't fair to women and girls? Right. And it's, and they couldn't see it. It's not fair and not inclusive. It's none of oh, that. and then she, she said one other thing. She said one other thing. Well, we shouldn't worry about it because there's only 12% difference between male and female performance anyway. Are you kidding me? What? 12%. 12%. So, so really, like if you go to the 100 meters in the Olympics, Usain Bolt versus the guy who finished last in the very first round of the 100 meters, the difference between those guys would be still less than a percent. Wow. And yet you're saying 12% is no difference between women and, like, and men, like as if it's like irrelevant to sport. Right. You're talking to sports coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just, is that was that person? I have a question. Is that person that was talking sort of a, a, a some type of administrator or bureaucrat, or are they yeah. are they an athlete? So you have to understand in Canada. So the difference between Canada and the U.S. it was a bureaucrat. But I'll tell you what: in the U.S., it's interesting. There is no Ministry of Sport in the U.S., which is makes it really unique in the world of sports. The U.S. is probably the only country that has no actual minister for sport. And it's, it's all independent, uh, like the IOC, like the US Olympic Committee, I think is its own committee, but there's no governmental minister for sport. In Canada, we do have a ministry of sport. And then under that, they're associated with that as is usual in bureaucracy, there's all these ministries that branch from it. And so there's two in particular um, that affect this issue the one and this is where it first came from in canada there's a there's a entity a, a bureaucracy uh well anyway it's called the canadian center for ethics and sport and since about the 90s the main task of the ccs canadian center for ethics and sport ccs the main task was really this doping like to to, to spread the word about anti-doping to offer anti-doping services for athletes and make sure that sport was, you know, legit and not people weren't doping. So that's great. Like that's a great function. And all of a sudden they're worried about this. And so I went to their, you know, very quickly to their, uh, the board's, you know, um, annual reports looking for when did the trans issue come into their mandate. And it started in 2012 ish. I was going to ask, when did you start to notice this happening? Because I feel like it's been within really quickly, just ramped yeah. up within the past five years. Yeah. And so they did it. They put together a trans inclusion um, group. And that's what we were convened after that in 2018 to go over the working groups for um, recommendations from that working group. And, and that working group, I mean, I called the CEO right away from the CCES and I said, Paul, his name is Paul Melia. I said, Paul, like literally, what is this? And I said, I just, I don't, you know that I don't agree with you, but I need to understand from you why you did this. He goes, well, we, he just started saying those words again. It's like safe, inclusive. We want to value safe, inclusive, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but don't you understand it's not safe and it's not inclusive? He goes, yeah, well, there's no man. And then he has this thing where he says, there's not a single man on the face of the earth or in history that has ever taken advantage of an identity to win medals in women's sport. Like <laughs> <laughs> because they're not allowed. But you know but now they have. But now they have. Yes, they, they have. have. 
but I'm like, I'm looking, I'm just looking at my phone thinking I'm going crazy here. And, and so, but anyway, it was really interesting when I went to now jump forward to October 8, when I was at the steps of the Supreme court. And then I, on that rally, and then I had the luncheon with, um, with the Bianca, the, the mother of um, Selena soul who had to run against the guys in Connecticut. So I had lunch with the mother and she said, 2012 was also the year that the, the trans group also managed to secretly put all of the new policies in at the state high school athletic boards level. So there was something going on around 2012 that was really purposeful in what they were doing in terms of changing regulations and laws around sport. I don't know. I wish I knew which group did it, but I can't, I don't know. It's, it's this kind of stuff does it, people think of it as something that's happening at a high level, but like you're saying, it, it gets, it infiltrates into everything. And it's, I it's think part, so. It's part it of just, yeah. it just oh. spreads. You know what? Cause in 2012, I was, I had just come off of a, um, I was working in comedy back then okay. and I had okay. just come off of a, a, a late night show that we had, we had sold featuring a comedian I represented. It was, it was a very, it was an, it was a comedy show, but it was really yeah. about my idea. It was about this ideology. We were pushing yeah. these ideas. and that show had just been canceled and I was pitching at the same time that this was happening in sports I was representing a um this guy he's Dave Zirin he's a he's a political commentator but he's a a sports commentator but he's political he's he's SJW ideologically and we were pitching a show about sports yeah and one of our episodes a couple of the episode ideas were about how uh it you know moving into the future and, you know, progressivism in sports and how uh, the next frontier was being inclusive and accepting of transgender athletes. Okay. So isn't that crazy at the same that time? Is, that's it like, all happened. It's not it like top kind of down. Exploded. It, it just it exploded. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, so then what, there's another group in Canada called the Canadian Association for the Advancement of Women in Sport. So they get bureaucratic dollars for women to promote women's sport. And those are the ladies that are tasked with going around the country preaching this to us. So, so the opposite so, of what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. So it's the very, very people that should be defending the women and girls in our country in sport that are actually telling us we need to accept male bodies in our sports. And so, you know, it's hard for me as a president of an association of a sports association to go back and say to the government, women and girls, you didn't consult with us. You didn't consult with us. And they go, well, yes, we did. We consulted Canadian Association, the cause group. Right, right. So it's, I'm stuck because I, I can't say that we weren't consulted in a way because those women were consulted. They're supposed to be the leaders of us. Can of I ask you something, girls. Coach Blade? Do you think, yeah. like when you said when this first kind of started to come up in this meeting, for example, and everybody yeah. got kind of quiet when you yeah up what I struggle with figuring out what percentage of people who are pushing it are doing so because they're true believers and what percentage of people are just like maybe agree with you but are afraid 99% are with me but afraid wow really clear they come up to me afterwards I've never I maybe have had one person in my whole realm of people who will just argue to the end about the fact that you should include them Everybody else is afraid. And I'm so surprised. Like I read Douglas Murray's book. I'm reading it. And it's just amazing how such a, 
small percentage of people can intimidate everybody. Like, how does that happen? This is insane. I don't understand how this is happening. How come everybody's caving so quickly? Yeah. Can you just, can we back up for a second? Just because I want, I want people to understand maybe the, because sometimes we have new listeners and I know we've talked about this before, but um, maybe talk a little bit about sexual dimorphism and like, yeah, what the because there's a focus on the IOC, there's a focus on testosterone yeah. and other right. stuff, but um, maybe you could just give us kind of a, a scientific overview of what yeah. the issue. Well, okay, there's probably a lot about six thousand physiological anatomical differences between men and women. So I don't know how many of those thousands I want to talk about in one one go, but I let me talk about the things that probably impact sport the most. Um, so. Essentially, uh, think about, let's say, a long-distance race. So female heart, the heart size itself is going to be like two-thirds the size of a male heart in general. Um, Lungs, like you need your heart, you need your lungs to perform, right? The lungs, the literal, the, the tubes themselves of feeding air into your lungs are bigger in, in males than females. And there's way more, there's the bigger, like the sac at the end of the lungs where there's the oxygen exchange, the alveoli, those are bigger and more numerous in men's lungs. And the, the airways are bigger, as I said. And then if you look at then the blood, like how you're going to take oxygen to your muscles, the actual blood cells, the number of cells in a guy will be, I think it's like something like 5.6 million, tri- no, so 5.6 trillion cells per liter of blood in a man's body in, in a male body. And whereas there's like 5.1 in a female. And then you talk about things like hemoglobin, the ability to carry oxygen in the, in the a top, you know, male, it might be 172 grams in a, in a female, 151 grams, 12% difference right there. Again. Um, I don't know. We can go on and on like for the same, if you have a, a woman who's 180 pounds and six foot, like a big lady, and and you find a 180 pound man who's six foot tall for the same size, for the same height and weight, the liters of the blood volume is going to be different. The men will have higher blood volume. So you just go through this list. And I, I if you if you focus only on testosterone and muscle size, it's not going to change the structural like once you've grown a structure, you know, once your limbs are longer, once your skeleton is bigger, what are we going to do? Chop like two inches off your, your, you know, femur. Like, I, I don't, how, how are we going to change a body? Even if you reduce the testosterone and it's even shown like this latest research from the Carolina Institute in Sweden show that even reducing, like even giving them hormone hormone replacement therapy to to male athletes does not significantly reduce their muscle size either and their strength so i mean they're still they they still have more muscle mass than women who go on testosterone right so so there's no way i don't know what the ioc is doing because there's they're just in denial because there's no way that you're ever going to be able to truly physiologically transition from a male XY karyotype to female XX. It's impossible. I've not yeah. a single human on the face of this earth has ever done it. 
we can we can accept you coming to the track in a dress like we can accept that but you're going to be in the guy's race sorry like why can't the men just accept that in their race so this is one thing that people argue is that there's obviously um a bell curve distribution of uh abilities and um physical attributes both in men and women and it and it and there's some overlap it may even be right. very significant overlap but i've heard yeah. you make some arguments about well when we're talking about athletes though we're not talking about the the median yeah we're talking about the end of that curve you're um, talking about the 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 end points and the um the wings and the, and like on the bell curve it's where the curve ends on the very extreme because that's the group that we're talking about the best males and the best females and there's literally never an overlap on the on the far end so yeah. that's an important point. There isn't the, an overlap for the athletes. Yeah, there may be an that, overlap for people like me. That's what that's what when I get into this discussion with people online, they don't seem to real like they'll say, um, you know, I had a woman who's I would call an SJW feminist, yeah. more like the intersectional third wave feminist. Yeah, okay, intersectional. And, okay. Right. They they differ they disagree with the radical feminists, of course, who they call TERFs, trans. Yeah. But so the the SJW intersectional feminists who are pushing this. I've had them say to me, well, you know, I'm a faster runner than my male cousin. And I'm like, yeah, but neither of you are elite athletes. You're not on the end of the bell curve. You guys right, are you aren't. So yeah. you're not even, you're not even talking about the right thing. They, they don't, I think again, this Carter and I've talked about a lot of times people don't understand math. They understand yeah. averages. <laughs> and, so <don't>. sometimes, <laughs> and so sometimes it's like a matter of you really just don't logically understand what we're talking about here. We're not talking yeah. about me and you, right. average people, we're talking about the, the on the very end of the bell curve, people yeah. who are at that very elite end. And yeah. you're right, they don't overlap. It's going to be men if you put everyone together. Yeah. And even if a man, let's say you go into recreational sport, because I think the context matters. I think there's a difference between doing something recreationally intramurals versus serious sport. So like, if you want to join your ultimate Frisbee league in your university intramurals or like even in a recreation league, I've seen that all the time, men and women soccer, like group, like, you know, teams combining men and women, like it's all fun. That's fine. But when you get into very serious sport and you're talking about prize money and, and abilities to get a scholarship and like at the very extreme end, um, I was going to say though that even if in even if you're in your recreational league and you're you have a woman or a guy like they're just playing and it's like weekend athletes and maybe the woman can score on the guys once in a while and vice versa when they go down to start training seriously the cellular mach machinery like every single cell inside the male body if you took a male normal sort of everyday person off the street and maybe at that moment, the woman tends to beat him or something. But you put those two people in an environment where they had the exact same weightlifting protocol, the exact same training, his biology, his physiology will respond to that training because of the machinery in his cell, in his cells, he's going to respond and probably get like probably two thirds, or I mean, you know, a one and a half times more benefit from that training than from the girl for the woman who did the exact same protocol. He's going to get much stronger, even just in a little bit of time of training the same pro the same protocol. So what I, I guess the point I always go back to is 
it doesn't even matter. Like some people say, I think some arguer, I see people arguing on Twitter, like, well, the guy didn't win. So you, what are you worried about? It's not that it's, it's not even that it's about the appropriateness of mixing a category. So let's talk about racing cars. Like you have formula one types cars. There's a certain model, a body model. And they are the like sleek formula one cars. Then you have the stock cars like the, you know, and NASCAR. Like people would freak out if they went to a NASCAR race and somebody decided, oh, we'll just toss in the Formula One. What what difference does it make? It's got two, you know, four tires, four wheels. It identifies it's, as NASCAR. It's, it's got, huh? It identifies as a stock car. So that's it. So right. you, you're going to put this thing in there. It's a completely different model of vehicle. <laughs> you know, and even in that situation, there are probably a thousand times fewer differences between a, a Formula One and the stock, the NASCAR car than a male and a female. So you're mixing categories. Even if one identifies, it doesn't matter. If you're mixing categories, there is no meaning to the end of that race. Right. Because you're mixing categories. You, it doesn't have any meaning. And it affects real, it affects real uh, young girls who even maybe aren't professional athletes who right. are, like you've talked about, you know, they're competing to get noticed for a scholarship or to, yeah. or, you know, just to get recognition on their team or whatever. Right. And it's unfair. I mean, the reason we separate sports is because we recognize that if we put everyone in on in one division, one league, it's predominantly populated by men, almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. So they would all, they would all eventually, there would be no female athletes after the first round. Right. So that, so that's why we have, that's yeah. why we have female sports. <laughs> um, right. And effectively, they're just going to do the same thing here. After several rounds, the trans women, quote, will yeah. rise to the top here. And they'll yeah. be locked. Now, all these young women who want scholarships or the opportunity to compete are going to have to sit on the sidelines. Well, and then, you know, notwithstanding my the comment from my great, uh, the, the person that I told you about in Canada, I would say when there's serious money to be won and serious benefits to be accrued, there will be males that are needy enough in their own lives where they would say, well, all I have to do is identify I could win this. And the countries, not only the males in, in who are willing to do that, who have the chutzpah to do that, because a lot of men would be too principled, they wouldn't feel right doing that. Um, but the ones who would have no problem doing that would be identified by their countries because who doesn't want to win an Olympic medal? Because then people keep their jobs in the sport bureaucracies of each country based on how many medals they win. So the bureaucrats would be pushing, well, if we can just find a guy who would want to be in this race. I mean, it's not a stretch, you know? And so, and so I guess my worry is um, that, um, yeah, it would be dominated. And then, um, my concern is even for the trans identified people in a sense, because this is only going to last for one generation for them, because once the doors are all open and it's all one big category, they're never going to win again anyway. Like they're going to collapse it back to one category at that point. If they collapse it back to one category, the person who identifies as woman who has taken, you know, doping to reduce their advantage just to fit in as a woman, they're not going to be able to be in the headlines anyway because the men will also beat them. Yep. So at the end of the day, rooting our sport hasn't isn't going to help them either. 
I guess that's my point. Like, this is this is actually a task in ruining something that you want to belong to, but isn't going to be long. It's not even going to be there anymore if you continue to ruin it. Yep. Yeah. Right. But so, so you know, they're not looking at the long term. A lot of them are just very, uh, for lack of a better word, they're very hedonistic. They just want, you know, they just want everyone to conform to their own desires. And if the next generation, if it's not there for them, they don't care. Well, and if they're autogynophiles, they need the publicity. You know, they need to be unique. Yep. But they'll go ahead and ruin women's sport, and then they won't be unique anymore. And then they'll move to something else or something. I mean, I'm not sure every single trans person is autogynophile. That's not the point. But I would say, like, the autogynophiles seem to be the only type of transgender woman who actually seeks out these opportunities to be in the limelight. The other ones that want to be left alone in peace, they are don't actually, care anyway. Yeah, and they're, they're actually, good people. They're, um, a, a lot of trans people are annoyed by these narcissistic That's attention. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's like, so, you don't, these people, this loud vocal minority of a minority yeah. is is representing and giving a bad face, like Jessica right. Yanup, who we've covered before. Exactly. Jonathan, yeah, yeah Jessica, right. who giving a bad face to uh, to trans people for for trans people, it's a bad representation. That's what I'm saying. I think it ruins it for everybody. Yeah. I, that's, I'm not saying it's just ruining it for the women, and also it ruins it for guys in sport because, as I was explained to Carter before we started the show, where where I work and where I operate is at the ground level, where we are the ones that literally deliver the competitions on the ground. Like all the other levels of sport, they make rules for us but we're the ones who actually have to offer the competitions and we're the ones that are going to have to figure out how to police or whatever and how to make sure we survive. And like I said, if our officials are going to be intimidated away from helping and we can't host competitions anymore, it doesn't, it even hurts the younger male athletes who need to develop into good athletes because if we can't run sport, it does hurt everybody. And so it seems like I see this happening. I just, I have had to think about the long-term impact, if you would ruin sport this way, in terms of where nobody would know what to do, we're all in a state of confusion, we're all intimidated, and then nobody, and then girls are giving up because there's guys in their event, then you've ruined the whole enterprise. People like me walk away. People, everybody walks away. There's no sport left. And then what's left, who, who develops the athletes for the IOC? Who develops it's going to crush sport for a while. And so it's going to take a generation to restart if it gets bad enough. And I guess that's, you know, cause I was explaining that we, I kind of see where I'm at in, in the world of sport as like the athlete factory. So we get the raw materials, which are the young athletes, with lots of potential. They come in the door from the schools or whatever. And it's in our association, which could be considered to be the factory where we actually, everybody's going through the, you know, the, uh, production line we get we hand the athletes from coach to coach and then at the end of the day they become national champions international stars and the IAAF and I uh, like the world athletics and IOC international olympic committee it's kind of like they're the bureaucrats standing at the door of the factory the exit door with their fingers crossed hoping for the next ferrari to come out so they can race them and make the big money on the big world stage but it's us at the ground level that we are the factory. If you shut us down, where are you going to get your athletes from? Right. 
And as you pointed out, a lot of the people that are at that level volunteer their time. And there's this, uh, you know, you mentioned the word fear, right? There's this huge fear of saying anything or pushing back at all, which means, um, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm, if I'm about to volunteer my time somewhere, but there's a risk that I'm going to get my life destroyed by some crazy activist because I said the wrong thing or said that, you know, girls should compete with only girls. Right. I'm not bothered to risk that and volunteer. I'll volunteer somewhere else and do something else that I'm going to pull right. out. Right. And then the other thing for me too, is we have a certain budget as an association, we run on a shoestring. And the only way that if we try to stick to the IOC rule, which is a person can self ID into one sport, but then you have to monitor their, their uh, testosterone levels because they have to get their testosterone levels down to now it's five nanomoles maybe it was 10 and now it's five. Do you know how much it costs and how much it costs in human resource to actually, and it wouldn't have, you can't just monitor it once. It has to be monitored because they have to live that way for a year. So you're thinking, okay, even if you went for every two months for a test or a doping test on an athlete who's trying to self ID into a different category, which is weird because now we're making them take drugs to be in a category instead of saying you can't dope. But anyway, even if we had to monitor the doping, you know how much it costs in medical costs every time you have to go and get a blood test? And before that even happens, you have to have a human volunteer that goes to the door of that person's house, gets them as a person, takes them to do the blood test. You know that person's probably going to disappear for when they know you're showing up to their door. This happens to athletes when they even get just normal P-tests. Like they're supposed to be around, but they can kind of conveniently not be there. You know how much effort that's going to take from somebody in one of our associations to follow these people around and make sure they're in compliance with a doping with a testosterone level so that it's that way for the year so they qualify yeah it's ridiculous and and as you point out even if it gets lowered to two or three nanomoles which is more in line with with women yeah uh it doesn't matter the, da- the quote damage is already done. They developed with the male body. They yeah. can't undo all of that structural difference that they have. Yeah. So, well, and, and that's the thing. These are the thoughts that went through my mind in an instant when I see this policy for the first time. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Like, you're asking too much of us. We are on the ground making this sport work, and it's too much. Like, we can't do this. Yeah. So, you know, someone in chat. Um, brought up a new Rasmussen poll that I haven't seen. Um, they said that the poll reports that only 29% of Americans support allowing transgender students to participate on the sports teams of the gender they identify with. I actually think 29% that's not- is high. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's very high. high. Don't you think? Yeah, but I think that, you know what it is though? And I'll go back and I don't want to impugn women, but I would say that, you know, whenever I used to complain about the fact that women, a story wasn't in the paper and then I'd call the sport editor and he'd say, you know what? Women never reads the sports section. They don't care. There's a lot of people out there who just don't care about sport anyway. And I mean, I'm even disappointed with somebody like Scott Adams because I mean, he's just saying, yeah, he's all in favor of it because it's going to destroy sport. Like he, Scott Adams is in favor of it for the wrong reason. He's in favor because he believes sport is broken. He believes sport is broken. We need to, destroy it utterly and rebuild it properly as a better recreational health related thing. But I just don't accept that you can do like, why would you start with women's sport? 
Why would There's you destroy collateral us first? damage you cause doing it this way if that's your goal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he blocked me because I was arguing with him. <laughs> I was. I don't think I was being a you know too bad, but he thought I guess I was being a jerk. So I guess okay, but I he have... says he never blocks anybody for having a good reason. I thought I had really good reasons, but he blocked me anyway. So well, I don't as know. we know, as Carter and I know, sometimes uh, even the best intentioned people can be Mr. Grumpy Pants. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a reference to someone on this call, and <laughs> I appreciate it very much, Carrie. Block. Oh, wait. And then later you're like, oh, I guess I should have blocked that person. Well, you know, and that's fine. I mean, I know why he's doing it. I know that yeah. he doesn't actually believe it. So I think there's some people that say they agree with it, but they're, but they're saying they agree with it either because they would rather worry about people's feelings or they'd rather worry about some other motivation that they right. would, why they would support that. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is, how, how can people support women in sports? How can they support you? How can they, what do you think are some things people can do? Well, here's one thing for sure we need to do. And <laughs> I will, I'll explain to you that when I went to, to Washington to do the rally because of the Harris case, that whole thing where they're discussing that funeral home where the guy with the ACLU decided to take it to the level of Supreme Court because they want to change the meaning of sex. In wait, wait, law. can you give people a, a summary? Of okay, what so this was a, uh, I think it was in Alabama. But anyway, somewhere in the South, there was a funeral home where there was a gentleman who had worked in the funeral home for years. And now he wants to identify, now wants to identify as a woman, wants to wear the female, wants to wear dresses. But the funeral home had had this, the, you know, the dress code. And it would have been probably, you probably would have won a case based on the fact that you should be allowed to dress any way you want. But the ACLU took it and took it to the nth degree and said, no, we literally want the funeral home to accept, to literally accept this as a female person. So they want to change the meaning of the word sex. Wow. Okay. It, it, so anywhere in law where it says sex, they want it to mean gender or gender identity. So they're, so the thing we need to defend against in all of North America, whether it's USA or Canada or anywhere in the Western world is it's a very sleight of hand, a tricky thing where they're going to take a law and then wherever it says sex, they're going to put gender, they're going to take sex out, put gender, gender identity, and then you can say whatever it is. So then women's rights will no longer be protected. So, excuse me. So what I, what I, so I'm at this rally in Washington because I have family in the DC area so I could stay with them. And I come to the rally and I was able to speak. But when I got home to Alberta, I was so embarrassed because people said, well, what are you doing in Washington, D.C.? This already happened in Alberta. Like I, I would go all the way to D.C. to protest. Then I find out that in Canada, all of the provincial human rights boards, like the one that was doing the JY case, all of the human rights boards at the state, like the provincial level, have already replaced sex with gender identity. That's why nobody is protected on the basis of sex. Wow. So, you- so, but, but our charter, one thing I need to say, Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms still has the word sex. You're still not allowed to discriminate on the basis of sex. So we're in this weird phase right now where nationally, like for our whole country, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms still has the word sex, but already at the provincial levels, our human rights board have already replaced the word sex with gender and gender identity. And so I think that's the simplest thing. Like if we could just preserve the word sex, biological sex in our laws, 
then we're protected. But if we're see, not, I like to think you're that right. their next step is just going to be to declare that biological sex doesn't exist and is a social construct because they've well, already said that craziness. Yeah, but they, that's going to be harder to do. I think what Coach Blade is saying is this sleight of hand is easier because it's it's easier just to take biological sex is the concrete thing and for them to and they are trying to destroy that they are trying trying to to destroy that yeah but if they can just if they can just get take it out of the laws take it out of and and replace it with gender id this sleight of hand then they don't even have to destroy it as a category they can because they've already replaced it with something that is gender id according to them it's fluid it's fluid fluid. you can just say whatever you want to be can you imagine if they did this with race by the way can you imagine were applying for scholarships. I mean, like, wow. you know, like yeah. I, I'm going to apply for a scholarship that's set aside for a black woman. And because I ID is black, can you, yeah. it, it's different. They don't take their, um, they don't take the, the SJW ideology. They don't apply their, um, their, th- there's no, what's the word Carter? There's no intellectual consistency. They don't take their right. arguments and apply it across these different categories. I think is the word you're thinking about. Yeah, what? maybe. Integrity. No, there's no integrity. Well, yeah, there's no integrity, but <laughs> no, but but it's but see, at the end of the day, it's always at the expense of women because yes. because if a man can go, let's say a rapist goes before the judge and the and the rapist now ha- takes complete advantage and says, well, they know the law now, so they will say, well, I identify as a female, as woman. And our judges in Canada are putting them in the female prisons. Right. Where they and they rape. got a rapist in a room with another woman who was probably already, you know, most of our women in our prisons are probably, you know, down and out women, whether they're native from the native community or whatever, they're already traumatized. And now they got to share a room with a rapist. Are you kidding me? And the and we're supposed to just accept this. And it's just like, you know, I, you know, I worry about sport because that's my realm. That doesn't even hold the candle to, let's say, like what's happening to a woman in a prison or what's happening to a child or what, you know, like once I started looking at the issue, I'm thinking, well, you know, I mean, it's almost like sport is probably the least of our concerns, but it is my concern. Well, but it's an obvious one to point to, because I think everyone in I mean, yes, I asked you to talk about sexual dimorphism earlier from a scientific perspective, but we all know about sexual dimorphism and we have as a, yeah. as a species for right. since beginning that we could speak, we all yeah. knew that there was sexual yeah. dimorphism. So um, yeah. it's an, it's a nice, easy one to point to you. You actually, before the show, you were talking to me about um, how the word gender actually um, was. Came in. In, yes. Yeah. Can you tell that story? Cause yes. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, because I was explaining that a friend of mine who uh, who's actually a, a, mar- a writer, actually, uh, she she loves, you know, um, <clears throat> Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's a, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's her hero. And she said, you know, we let's go to the movie on the basis of sex. Um, the one that came out, I think it was about a year or two ago, but a year ago, maybe. And um, so we went to the theater together and I'm watching this movie. And all of a sudden, bingo, like I had just been struggling with this whole issue. It was like when I was fairly new to the issue. And in the movie, Ruth was Ruth Bader Ginsburg was as a just was trying to put this law before the Supreme Court and it involved sex and, and sex based rights. And her her secretary says, if anybody's watched the movie, they'll remember the secretary says, you know, those men in the Supreme Court, they're kind of old and they're kind of uncomfortable with the word sex. Why don't you use the word gender? So it was the secretary of 
of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who had the word sex removed sometimes and put the word gender in there. And the intent was that it was always 100% equivalent to biological sex. So that was the original intent. And now it's morphing in meaning. So that's why I'm saying like it's, you put this on another word in the law and then you can interpret that word, the new word, because nobody seems to be able to define it right now every, anyway. Like ask somebody what it means to say gender or gender identity and you get a, a hundred different interpretations. So now you've got a fluid word that can be interpreted any way you want. Yeah. But the authoritarian bullies can in, enforce you to accept their version of that word. So I think what we would, I would, I even sent a, a note somewhere at some point that I don't know if it was that this particular friend, but I said, we need to beg Ruth Bader Ginsburg before she passes away. Please clarify that back when you first used it, the word gender meant biological sex. We need to have that clarified. Right. Although I don't think anyone will care. And she probably, you know, they probably wouldn't, but we need to then as a society be very clear about the words we're using in our laws. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it needs to say, so that's one thing you, you say we can do is to be very vigilant about them changing the word sex to gender in laws. Yes, please. That's, that's the basis of everything. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and in sports, so do you think if you just re renamed women's sports to female sports, this would be like over and done solved? Yeah. I, I think but if, if it's going to hurt their feelings that we say women are female, then I think it was my brother suggested, why don't you just say in sport, you have two categories, you have restricted and open. And so yeah. restricted is to female only, but we don't have to use the word woman or female if that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. If that's how sensitive everybody is. Okay. Well, you know, whatever, but we need to have a restricted category for the women, for the XX karyotype athlete. And we need to, and anybody else who identifies any other way should be able to do the open because frankly, when you look at professional men's sports, like the NFL or um, NHL or baseball, they're, effectively they're not men's sports specifically they're open if you had a female that was good enough to be in the nfl she could she would be there yeah it's open it's not like they've said only men can play in this league if you're good enough and the fact that not a single female in the history of football has ever made it to the nfl <laughs> doesn't that tell you something that there's a difference right i mean come yeah. on like and by the way i'm a little more um stubborn i guess because i don't i don't like i don't want to get that rid of the bird women yeah, yeah yeah and and you know they've done this and it's funny because uh one of the girl one of the women in chat is also she and i are both what we call former sjw's we used to be evangelists yeah. for this ideology and um uh she and i both went to school at a time when uh she was a women's studies major i was a women's studies minor it that yeah. doesn't even exist anymore it's called gender studies now They've gotten rid of the word women. It, it, it's gender studies. And so but yeah. there's this erasure that's happening of women. Yeah. And I, it, um, it, it kind of is starting to piss me off when, I, when you see um, tampon companies and things that are selling, you know, they're selling stuff for menstruators. It's like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to use, God, God forbid you ever use the word woman or girl or, yeah. or female, right? Like. I mean, but doesn't that already say right there that avoidance of that is really hate? Like, I mean, they, they say we're hateful, but you're, 
And you know, it's interesting, like, it was funny, funny, funny when I watched Blair White um, speak on McKinnon and showed a few Rachel McKinnon's race. And then I don't know what she was saying. And, the, and McKinnon always says, those who oppose my existence, those who oppose my existence. My existence. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and Blair's going like, no, nobody's opposing your existence, sweetie. We're just saying we don't want you in a race. So, right. so, so, but yet they always pretend like they're the victim and saying that, and yet they're literally erasing our existence. Yeah, they are. That's funny. It's projection. <laughs> it is. They, like, it's they, just like everything they do, they, they yeah. say that you're doing. And we've noticed yeah. this over and over, whether it's bullying people online um, targeted harassment, you know, it, yeah. it's like all the stuff they engage in. And I know projection is a human thing. It's not mm -hmm. just an SJW thing. It's just that it's, it's very pronounced in this yeah. ideology. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think because yeah. so much of it is built on, um, so much of this belief system is, is, it's the opposite of what it says it is. Therefore projection yeah. is going to be more prevalent in it because right. it's like Orwell. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, um, double, a lot of it is double speak, you know, yeah. Everything right. is double speak. Every single thing. Their idea of hate is when you say your opinion, but it's not hate to literally hit somebody over the head or yell obscenities at them outside yeah. a library when you're trying to go in and have a meeting on your rights or something. Like, I have never seen more hate than, you know, from any group at a rally, for example, when we we're on the steps of the Supreme Court. And we're, you know, we were vastly outnumbered. I think if this ever happens again, I think we're going to have a lot more people. But that day when we were saying, when they were arguing in the Supreme Court about changing the, the very definition of the word sex, and we have this little group of like 50 women coming across, coming from all across North America, there was even some women there from the UK. And so we're in this little cluster on the edge, you know, with our little microphone and then having our little speeches. And then there's this group of like 500 thousand lgbtq people saying that they have a right to dress any way they want which we're talking two different issues but anyway but we never went to their group and stood in front of their podium and yelled at them yeah but, oh like that, <laughs> that but yeah um but but they would come over to our group and with megaphones and stand five feet away from the podium, yelling through a megaphone at our speakers when we were speaking. And yep. you know what? <laughs> and yet we're the ones who are hateful. Like, I I just, I don't know. I, well, I don't really well, quite get it. you have it. an ideology that's built on untruths, which this yeah. is built on, it's built on lies, that yeah. just trickles down to everything they say is yeah. it, like it ends up manifesting in a lot of different ways. But yeah. remember about the social justice ideology is not about their, their epistemology is not about reason and, and, and they don't believe in discourse. It's a, it's mm. a set of rules that you follow unquestionably and it's very mm. black and white thinking. So yeah. um, that's why I think you get, you get a lot of this manifesting in um, words that have the opposite of their meaning and strictly enforced, mm. you know, with a, with a bullhorn in your face at your podium right. or whatever, screaming at you. Um, yeah. Because you don't really, the idea of having a discussion and an argument about it that's actually calm and rational is uh, antithetical to their, their belief existence. System, so. or existence. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing though. Like I kept, I thought, I thought a lot about this since I saw that. I, when I was a child and I grew up in South America and Bolivia, they just had a change of government in Bolivia. Um, but anyway, I grew up there and my parents were, um, 
Bible translators and they were missionaries. And um, so I'm sitting in a country where there's like a coup d'etat every two years. And, you know, there's a lot of poverty. And I knew once in a while we traveled to North America and I saw how beautiful our life was in North America. And then we go back to South America. And, you know, I asked my dad one day, I think it must have been about eight. And I said, Dad, why is it that some countries are so good and they work so well? And then other countries don't and, and they're poor and they just can't seem to quite get it going. And he said something to me that I think is very profound and, and his reason and his one, he said, there's one thing that matters in terms of the health and the, whether a country will thrive and that you have to have public trust. Mm. There has to be public trust. And, you know, we've, we've benefited tremendously in our Western cultures from having, you could call it Judeo-Christian, but whatever. We have a standard set of beliefs and we of principles upon which we operate and, and secular society. We've, we, we're not a theocracy. We accept every point of view. We, we, are, we trust people to be good citizens. We trust people that you can talk to each other and, you know, and come up with a solution um i find this movement is probably the worst thing only because it erodes public trust and you're going to end up having an economic i think in the long run it, it does have an impact on the economy the political economy that you know financial economy the people's people's free uh sense of happiness just doing their everyday life that we have to worry about that's this. intentional though i mean I, I think i think their 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 goal their end goal is to undermine social cohesion right um, they want a revolution so they don't like okay that. that's fair right? i mean they're 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 succeeding in an amazing way then because for for such a small group of people to have the kind of impact that they've had i know they have some billionaires behind them um like i think pritzker is trans i think Anyway, there's been some, you know, it's it's quite well known that there are some really high level billionaires that have also transitioned and that they give a lot of money and the corporations. It's interesting. The corporations that gave a lot of money to LGBTQ in general have recently, if you look at the charts, almost all the funding now is going strictly to the trans groups. Yeah. And so they have so much money and they don't even know what to do with it all. So they do punch above their weight. But it's interesting at the rally. You, you know, I said they were outnumbered. We were outnumbered by a huge amount. There were some some people hanging around the fringes of that other group. And they turned out that there was busloads that they brought in busloads of university students just to, to fill in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Of and course so, they did. Yeah. So we so you know what? And so you have to have money for that. But anyway, so my mom happened to be there and me. And, and so my mom was kind of on the edge. I was involved in the in our crowd and my mom was kind of hanging around. She's like, She's just a nice lady. And so she started talking to the couple of these college girls and they, these girls couldn't understand why would you be against LGBTQ? They just couldn't understand what we were doing there. And, and just explained, you know, this is actually more about the meaning of sex and whether you're changing that meaning of biological sex. And the girls looked at each other literally because they had been buzzed in that day. And they literally looked at each other and said, we don't even know what we're doing here. And they walked away. They literally walked away. They didn't know the real issues. And I think, you know, the LGBTQ banner, you're just supposed to all accept it as if it's a big family. And 
they get all this funding and then you're busted all the rallies and people don't understand the nuance, I think, of what's actually happening here. Right. Right. And, the, and, and there's a lot of catastrophizing, as you mentioned before, you're, you know, my right, you know, you're racing my existence. Um, and, and that's, yeah. that's across groups too. I mean, the, the, the thing about it is I look at it as, so when I was caught up in this, this ideology, it's, it's more than just the one, like the trans issue, there's the critical race thing. It's yeah. all, these are all these different parts of the same big yeah. uh, belief system. Yeah. And, um, and so you get, you get because people are taught in this belief belief system you need to be good allies and they right. use that whether you're in the feminist part of this ideology or the critical race part or the lgbt part and so right. it's like a big tribe so i'm the, learning from you i'm learning from you because i don't know all of this i don't know it at all like i didn't pay any attention at all until now like i'm trying to catch up well that's I mean I am still trying to understand it all. That's why we do that this show program. We're like I I, Carter and I when we first started doing it it's like, you know, I, I I'm I'm still trying to make sense of what my belief system was and, and versus what I was told it was. And okay. so we were sort of saying, you know, we could do a weekly show where we sit down with people and talk about because there's so much to pull yeah. apart about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you get people like those college students being bust in and it's it's the very bare minimum of thought that yeah. is it they know they're there because they're good allies they're on the yeah. side of they think they're there because they're good people and they're doing because they're good own. people they yes. want to help they want to help and so yeah. uh when carter says something like you know they want to destroy western civilization i agree but that's the leaders that's the people that's the people who who know what this ideology is the, yeah. the most of the people who are what i call like the foot soldiers or people like me are yeah. just like well-intentioned people who haven't sat down and talked to someone like your mom and really thought through, well, what do I think about this? They're just following. They're just, it's like uh, being in a, uh, uh, it's like being in a herd or being in a yeah. fish. You're just following yeah. the group. Yeah. And, yeah. and people, like you said, 99% of people you think. Uh, uh, they would agree with me. They're just afraid. They're so they're, afraid. Cause they're in the school of fish that's swimming this way. And then they yeah. see you swimming the other way. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to get picked up. <laughs> Well, and then so the second thing maybe I should recommend that could happen to protect women's sport is I guess once you know we have we maintain biological sex in law I think the other thing is that whatever the policies that got snuck in during the time when we weren't all looking like I think they put there's these mid-level bureaucrats that seem to put in policies when nobody's looking and they were probably came out of the postmodern school of thought or whatever but they came in and they get into bureaucracy and they literally sit, they love sitting on these boards. Like the rest of us are just coaching. And we, the last thing we want to do is be on a board or be, you know, making the rules policy or going to a conference. We just, you're we're just coaching. Athletes. You're yes, actual we're, athletes. We're coaching every day. And, but they're there, they love to advocate and that's great. But then they get on the boards and they change rules. So now the Canadian, the Canadian equivalent of the NCAA, for example, because, you know, NCAA now allows full self ID without any, without anything. And, and so Canadian, you know, us and we in Canada tend to just go along with whatever, but then they had these people on the U, U sport, which is the Canadian NCAA sport board. And now they're allowing self-ID without any any intervention whatsoever and here's what's what can happen even according to their own rules now 
a guy could be on a volleyball team for one semester and self-ID as a female, as a woman in another sport the next semester and then go back and they can flip, flip-flop back and forth if they want. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what, what if people, now this is a crazy idea, but what if men who agree with us yeah. started- We're Suddenly just all flood in. Yes. What yeah. if like like Zuby did? Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. But what if a lot of high profile, if you could get some high profile male athletes to say, uh, I want to make a point here. I'm going to compete as a woman and I'm not changing anything about myself. Yeah. What if that were to happen? Imagine, imagine that if there were some brave No, but men, you know what? Like, That's what a friend of mine said too. Um, another heptathlete friend of mine. She said, we should just, I'm going to pick a bunch of guys and make a team and just flood. I'm just going to make the point real quick. We're just going to flood everything. Flood it yeah. up. Yeah. And I, you know, it's such a great idea if you could really achieve it. I don't know right now if there's anybody has the power to get that many guys to move in that direction. I think it's coming, but I I don't know because yeah. m- most of the- Gotta get okay, men I'm- with some balls. Yes. <laughs> and well, and also a good coordinator it. because- yeah, I mean, it had to be done right. And it has to be done at a competition where it's not too much at stake. Because if it was like at the Olympic trials, then all the girls would miss making the team that year. Right. So you you have to find the right venue and the right time to do something like that. But I can totally see it. It's such a great idea. Like, it's just like, yeah, well, let's just comply then. Let's all do it. Right. Like, yeah, although I, I think that's why, I, you know, if I'm the cynical part of me thinks that that's why they care about testosterone levels, because that's something that you would have to actively do that would hurt your performance a little bit as a yeah. male athlete. So if you can just, if you can just put on a dress yeah. metaphorically, right? If yeah. you can just be like, I'm a woman now um, yeah. and I'll do it. I think, I think maybe you could get that. Well, that happens at the Canadian university level. You could do it. Yeah, um, that's. Some but levels, you, you don't have to take teeth. So you have to actually do something with your testosterone level, which I don't think a professional athlete would risk. Right. Exactly. But that's going to change, Carter. That's going to change. I guarantee you. It's already changing. They're going to get to the point where you don't have to take testosterone. You can At just which point, Zulu should be the weightlifting champion in as yeah. many categories as well, you can. Well, there's going to be one. I think, I think if the IOC, I'm going to say this. Because the IOC changed the law, the rule in 2015 to allow self-ID. And they say you have to live as a female or as a woman for a year and then have your testosterone down for a year and then you can self-ID and then you can qualify for the Olympics. So there is a guy now who has qualified in the Pacific region, Laurel Hubbard, as a weightlifter. And if they don't change their rule in the next uh, month, because they usually have to change the rules uh, IOC rules within sort of before the year of the Olympic Games. So our new uh, the year end coming up real quick, right? Um, so within the next month, if they don't make a, any kind of change, if, if they don't put any kind of pause on that policy, there probably will be a male body on a female podium in Tokyo 2020 in that this next summer Olympics. And once the world sees that, Maybe they won't go crazy, but I think that's going to be like a real peak trans moment because I just don't see how the world will see this on a. T- I mean, how will that not be a thing? I know Laura, the Laura Hubbard guy you're talking about. Oh, I mean, I know who this person is. I don't know yeah. him personally, yeah. but I mean, yeah. can you guys see my screen? Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Like this is the and and the 
it's sometimes I think you need, we need to start looking at the photos because when you see a man, especially when you see him on the podium standing next to two women, it's like, Oh, did you see that one where they were hanging their heads? <sighs> no. Did you see the Samoan women. So go Laura Hubbard, Samoa, Samoan okay. women. And you'll see them. They actually protested silently by hanging their heads. They were, he was on like she or Laurel was on the podium on the first place spot. And the two Samoans in blue, I think they're wearing blue. They had their heads hanging in shame. You'll see in the images, I think it'll be like he's on the number one spot on the podium. Oh, and then you'll wow. see those two girls. You see them hanging their heads. Do you, I don't know if you see that yet. Yeah, I see it. Hold on, I'll share it. Um, share I have it. not seen the photo before. Yeah. But um... so, and the, um, yes, there. And the, um, perfect. <laughs> it oh. couldn't be more obvious than that. And the president of Samoa was just livid. You could see him on, he was on Twitter. The president of Samoa was angry and saying this was wrong. You know, like there's just going to be, there's going to be countries and presidents and people going nuts because their Olympic medal was stolen. I don't see how the IOC thinks this is not going to affect them. Yeah, they should. I mean, uh, they should go nuts. They, they should, they should fight it. Aggressive. Yeah. Because um, it's really going to be a big, big, big controversy. Worse than doping. Can, can we talk really quickly about uh, another slight nuance? Because I think people that don't pay attention to this, yeah. when they hear this issue, they think of intersex people. Uh, um, there are a very small mm. percentage, extremely, mm. extremely mm. small mm. percentage of the population that mm -hmm. has uh, biological, we'll say, ambiguities, like Castor yeah. uh, Semenya. Semenya. Yeah. is the one that I'm thinking of where um, in those cases are, this is, those are not the cases you're talking about. Can you just no. differentiate yeah. so we know? So if I know. put my hand up, if I put my hand up, okay. Now yeah. this is male, this is female. Okay. And so there's right where my thumbnails are. There's a little tiny spot right in there, right? You can maybe even see through it. There's a tiny spot where there's a small, small percentage of the population that have a, a DSD, like a different a differentiation, different so a sexual development, like a disorder. And so what happens is you're either XX, you're either female and something goes wrong or not wrong, but just there's an incomplete or anomaly. Exotestrone, there's an anomaly. Yep. You can be a female with an anomaly that makes you look like male, or you can be a male Anom with an anomaly that makes you seem like you're a female. And it turned out that, so they're still XX or XY. It's not like they're completely perfectly intersex. They're either a female with an anomaly or a male with an anomaly. Aren't there like and they're X very small. Y too? Aren't, aren't there people with Yeah, like and there's different variations of that. But the key thing is whether the Y chromosome is there or not, right? And so, so what it turned out after all this time, when they finally had the Canadian, uh, the the um, center of, for sport, like the ruling internationally, the court for sport, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, it turned out that Semenya was XY with an anomaly. So she looked like a female partially, but she was still X, XY. And she that's thought why, she was female her whole life. Is that right? Or? Yeah, that, that's right. She thought she was female because of the way <clears throat> she looked and some of her appearance and so, even some of the way she was like she had testes embedded apparently in her abdomen i don't know all about it but definitely still had the benefit of male puberty though 
but the thing is all that time was racing as XY and all the money that that person won versus what could have gone to a lot of female athletes. Right. It's a, it's a pity, but then now it seems to the world of the woke that it's a catastrophe that she can't keep making money instead of the women. Like I, I, I you know, I'm sorry, but if you're XY, you don't belong in the, in the women's section. Yep. Even if you appear, right? She's a case But that's where... different. That's different than just straight up man saying he's a female. Like that's different. So you, you can't use the intersex arguments to, to, to obliterate the category and say, just because some people seem to be in between, that means there's no sex differences. Like that's ridiculous. Right. And, and she's a case where you might argue, okay, well, um, we need to figure out what to do with actual intersex people and how to well, sure. differentiate where they should go. Sure. But that's yeah. not the vast majority of what we're talking about. Rachel McKinnon and all these other people, yeah. they are not in that category. No, they, they are, are not. Men. They are no men. Question about it. Completely Nailed. men trying to be women. And that's a completely different story. That's disingenuous. That is just using a small percentage of the population that, to give you an excuse to come over and bully people. In right. my opinion, and I think a lot of people don't realize that that the conversation is really about actual men, not this small percentage of intersex people. Exactly. And it's what it's about. That's what we're worried about. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, we're going to have to handle in sport yet. And um, I would encourage people to get on boards of sport organizations, get on your local high school athletic board get into your government circles, just try to, to emphasize that um, biological sex is a thing. It's real. It matters. And it is not fluid. And it needs to be defended. That's the key thing. I want to share one other photo I was looking for while you guys were talking because I, ah, again, I, I, think it, Hannah. I think it helps. Yeah. Had, yeah. It, one, by the way, Carrie, thank you for sharing that. One. Well, it helps sometimes to visually see because people want to say it's not a real thing. And, and we can talk about the thousands of differences between men and women physiologically. Yeah. But but sometimes it's like a person has to be confronted with, a, yeah. with an image like this and say, like, look at this guy dominating these women. Brad like, Pitt in his breasts. Yeah. Not yeah. even Brad. This isn't Brad Pitt. This is this is. <laughs> Brad Pitt six, is a, is six, a waif compared to this guy. Yeah, that's yeah. six three. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't a waif. Oh <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. And you know that team they beat in handball. I think it was handball was the Iranian women, right? But yeah. in Iran, you you compete in hijab because I was in there and I wore my hijab like a good person. Uh, when I was there, I did my best, you know, to to comply. But anyway, it's pretty easy to hide. Like there, it's entirely possible. I think I saw a picture of some of some Iranian women's team where the guys, it is guys, like some of them are guys, like, because it's pretty easy to hide if you're in hijab. Oh, so that's I'm worried. funny. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. <laughs> like, that's like a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like, it's taken away their opportunities too. And like in our sport, like in our country, we had a lot of Syrian immigrants and lately and you know there's people from many different countries and they we're trying to get the young girls from these different cultural groups involved in our sport and the last thing that's going to ever happen is their parents are never going to let them even be start sports if they think that there's just going to be a guy in their locker room or the, you know it it's going to make it really hard for us 
to reach out to other communities and imp- incorporate them into our lives. And they're going to say, oh, you Westerners are just crazy people. We're going to stay over here on the sidelines, right? Like, no, I mean, sorry, we we, we, rightfully so. We deserve yeah. that. Judgment we do. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing is, too, is like the final thing I wanted to kind of point out, too, about that, this policy that we have to deal with. It's one thing to say, because these are the guys, they sit up there in these bureaucratic meetings and they make rules as if they know what the sport context is. And yet on the ground, like at a track meet, let me go back to a track meet. Think about a track meet where you have a stadium and the track. So what if, okay, now boys who self-ID can go into the girls' bathroom, okay? So that, you know, maybe that's borderline, okay, because there's stalls, but I, I still don't think that's right. But anyway... So that boys start going in and it becomes a common thing for the boy male bodies in a female bathroom. How long do you think it's going to take before some creep who's a spectator just says, well, look, look what's happening. I, nobody will know the difference. You right. know, it's just well, going to go it's from already, It's already happening. I mean, Jessica Yan of Jonathan Yan, yeah. he was taking photos of young girls in the bathroom that you can look at these pictures and posting them. Ugh. He was like, like young teenage girls. And no it, way. It, yeah. And he was also, it how came did out. He he, get by. Like, did nobody beat him? up? <laughs> <laughs> like, how did the, how do you sit there and take a picture in a bathroom and everybody's okay with that? Cause was he just doing it out? Like on the, well, like, no, I mean, there's a picture of him. It's like a selfie with a bunch of girls. And he's like, and he's posting it saying, look at these girls. Like, oh. like, and and at the same time, simultaneously, he was having very inappropriate pervy chats with thirteen-year-old girls and stuff, and asking them about their periods and like this guy. I mean, I'm sorry to make it gross for a second, but that stuff's already happening. They want to pretend like there's there's nobody out there with bad intent who's going to take advantage of of this. And yeah, of course there is. Like, of course, of course, of course that's going to happen. And um, here's the thing: since there's no definition of of it, gender. Like if they can't give you a definition, because because the thing that I would like to know is I I'd, I'd almost be willing, you know, and I I'm saying this with tongue in cheek, but I'd almost be willing to maybe try the policy if you could tell me how to distinguish between somebody like that who has the proper motivation and one that doesn't have the motivation. You can't push this policy on us unless you can help us understand the difference between motivation A and motivation B. Right. Somebody, and that requires omniscience, though. So it's not, I mean. Right. And that's what I'm know. saying. It's like, yeah. it's in, It's really, really um, unfortunate and really devastating to push a policy on anybody. Like, we're getting it from on high. But it's really devastating to push a policy when we know that there's an inherent dangers in it, but you've given us no mechanism to differentiate between goodwill and bad will in terms of how this is going to play out. Yep. It's it's an, it's it's irresponsible. Well, so some, somebody ask the parents or the actual girls participating. Like no one ever yeah. gets Nobody on. asks us. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's what I the same thing I would say for children. They say, "Well, why can't you just put all the children together in a big and then once they're puberty then you separate male and female." But the thing is, in our sport track, we're trying to teach kids the expectation of what's going to happen in their whole lives of sport. And then when I say, you know, like even if it, even if there's no performance differences pre-puberty, which there really are anyway. But even if there weren't any, 
I would still say there's a lot, the psychosocial preference of a little girl is to not have a little boy in her race. It doesn't her psychosocial preference matter. Why are we so worried about one or two people's psychosocial preferences? Right. It, like it really, they matter to little kids. And those preferences, by the way, the thing that I, I like to point out is they're, they're, those preferences are also in the DSM-5 as psychological conditions. So right. we're not, it's not even just a preference. It's a, it's a recognized pathology uh, right. that we're catering to. But, uh, and so, yeah. And so we have to make sure. And I mean, think about it this way. What if we uh, included everybody like in the under 10 or un, under 10 and under 12, let's say together, boys and girls. But then we'd say, by the time you get U14, once you're under 14, now you got to go back to competing with the males again. Well, right. that would even be worse. Yeah. Then just keeping them there in the first place. So, someone in, in chat brought up the Special Olympics, which I hadn't thought of. I mean, have there been moves to like, maybe you don't know, but there, I, don't I know. see a lot of ableist com like talk. Right. Exor yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Can I, I mean, why is cripple and be in the social in, in the in the Special Olympics? You know what? I would almost and I and because especially Special Olympics because of the um, the IQ level. I would also question if anybody was was trying to self-ID there, it would be their caregiver imposing it. Mm. Like, I, I can't imagine, maybe there are just, maybe I'm showing my ignorance, maybe there are dysphoric, um, you know, people with Down syndrome and things like that. Um, but it's almost like, you almost have to be, it's almost like a smart disease in my opinion. It's like, you have to be comfortable and overeducated to decide that you're <laughs> gender. <laughs> I don't know, yes. man. I almost see it that way. It's like, well, it's they're, too, whole... they're too authentic. The people who are downs and 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 the mentally retarded and those kinds of people, they're just too authentic. I don't see. They just want to be loved anyway, the way they are. I don't even see them thinking way ahead to say, well, if I put on this dress and this makeup and I take a selfie. I, I just, I can't see them going through this set of thoughts, but maybe I'm no, just but being a bigot. Else, could someone else identify as having downs or having a... Oh, I see what you mean. Like, Ooh, well, I don't know. That'd be, you mean like oh, <laughs> in that one Seinfeld episode where <laughs> who was trying to be like they weren't, I, I think somebody, was it George? I don't know. I some remember. Seinfeld episode where they were acting like they were oh, part yeah. of the, the Special Olympics. Yeah. And well, it was really where, bad. It here's really... where it would come in. They already, so this ideology already, because they have all these groups, right? So they view the world as like this competition between groups and the groups are based on identity. Okay. Instead of, and so Marxism was like, it's based on class, like the bourgeois okay. versus the working class and the poor. The SJWs, it's, a, it's, a, it's an evolved, it's a, it's a different kind of Marxism. It's basically like, yes, the world's a competition, but it's between these identity groups. And mm. your power is determined by what identity group you're in. And mm. so they put everyone into these categories of privileged and marginalized, or they mm. call it oppressor and oppressed. So because mm. trans has now been accepted in this ideology as one of these marginalized or oppressed groups, that's why, that's why people just fall in line and go along with anything that they're told because they have to show that they're an ally to this oppressed group, right? Mm. So another one of these oppressed groups in the ideology has become mental illness. And okay. so they, um, you will see on Twitter, people put in their bios, 
they put their mental illnesses almost as a, a badge of honor because it's another marginalized box they can check off, right? Oh. It's like, I'm, I'm oppressed because I'm a woman and because I'm queer and because oh. I'm black and because I'm, uh, I have depression and anxiety. So they kind of like, um, they cling to it as a form of identity. So here's okay. where I think, Carter, it's a long explanation, but here's where I think it's going to happen. You're going to start to see people who have depression, anxiety and stuff starting to say, well, I deserve to be able to compete in the Special Olympics because I have Right, to. right. I have yes. four ah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Or an 18-year-old who says, I feel like I'm a 12-year-old. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That'll <laughs> That's be gonna happen. Absolutely. Ages, age, crossing over the age boundaries will be one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Which, which, not to get too sick, but that's also going to be, you can see them already pushing for that in, with, it, with respect to sexual relationships as oh, well. Oh, really? Like, oh, they are. Yeah. They're, they're calling themselves. For like, you know, consent doesn't mean you need to be 18 and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yikes. Uh, they're and calling themselves minor. Yeah. Yeah. On Twitter, they call themselves minor attracted persons. What? Yes. And they're trying to, again, they're trying to claim <laughs> oh, that they Lord are an oppressed. I know. They're, but oh if, it's, if they can get accepted, once you get accepted in the overall ideology as like, yes, okay, you're going to be one of these new oppressed categories, then everyone in the ideology starts to protect you. If they haven't gotten right. to that place yet where, where all SJWs are not protecting pedophiles. Huh. Huh. But I think that's on the horizon. Who knows how far out it is, but they're already trying. They're using the same language. They're using the language of we're an oppressed, marginalized group. We're misunderstood. Right. We're just attracted to minors. Come on, oh. guys. Like, oh. you know. but then that's all the more reason why we wouldn't want the guys in the women's washroom. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. no, it's getting really confusing, but it, what's most confusing is that then if they're supposed to be in marginalized group, like McKinnon or something, they come and basic bullying everybody. So they're not the oppressed. They are the oppressors in our sports. Totally. I mean, do they not see that? No, they don't. Yeah. I've, who's the quote, Carrie? Who, what's the quote? I don't remember who said it, but there's this idea that you can tell who's in control or who's in power in a society by who you're not allowed to criticize. Exactly. Right. Who you're not oh. allowed to criticize. It's like my brother had a perfect comment. Like he's a he's a satirist but, and a painter. But anyway, he, he said the other I read something he said the other day. It's like the sacred cow serves to cow the sacred. Uh, <laughs> yes yeah that's beautiful that's interesting like, that is perfect perfect wow yeah um well coach blade i'm gonna have to go soon i have yeah no i do too i gotta this. go coach yeah I know you've got work to do i i just want to say again i one of the blessings of get, doing this podcast is getting to meet so many like inspiring badass thank people. you and you <laughs> yes and i think you're just one of these like badass i asked Do it. Um, i was like are you afraid to talk about this and you were like what? it's the hill i'll die on I'm it like, is yes i want to the hill woman. i'm dying on man like i if i if this if i can't save sport then what am i doing in sports like i have to i have to work my best i mean and i as i told carter you know it'd be hypocritical of me to not say something because I'm the beneficiary of title nine. I got the full scholarship at the university of Maryland. I got all of what I have right now with my education and thanks to the universities and to the scholarships and to the sport. And if I don't defend the right to other girls and other women, female athletes to achieve that, then, then I am just an opportunist. I'm nothing more than an opportunist. If I don't, I need to fight this because 
And I don't really want to use the word fight. It's just a matter of saying the truth. The truth. Just speak like I'm truth. not fighting. It's just, it's just the truth, right? Like I'm just trying to be honest and also not a hypocrite. That's the best. That's the best we can all hope to do every day. It's like an exercise every day. You were talking yeah. yesterday on a podcast about there's that Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote about yes. um, it was just one man speaking the truth can bring down a yeah. tyranny. And so yeah. that's all. That's that is exactly what you're doing. But see, we're yeah. living in a, a day and age where speaking the truth is terrifying for a lot of people. So it is. It, I, I'm. I'm really. I just. I really admire you. And thank you coming up and somebody in the chat Lindsay asked how does one best support you coach me yeah uh just fight on your local level because I have all the support I need I you know that's part of what makes me I guess a little bit brave is that there's really I don't see how anybody could really destroy me as a person here like I I'm just living my life but I I have a private business private I have clients that ask me they call me for help if they don't want to work with a bigot, I guess that's up to them. They can fire me. But, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a waiting list for my help in my coaching. It, you know, if they don't want to work with me, then I can work with the next person. Um, I don't know. Like, it, I love your support online if you want to weigh in on the Twitter, Coach Blade. But really, honestly, um, really the best thing you can do for me, as in my position in sport, is really – Get involved in your local sport associations and stand up and just say no to this ideology. That's that's going to help everybody, everybody in your own local community. If everybody does this in their own local community and in their state level, and then it gets to the national levels and you have meetings and you're aware and then get to the Democrats and tell them stop being so stupid because it's the Democrats pushing the Equality Act and and like all of this stuff of changing the meaning of sex. If we can stop that from happening, if we can at least ask for fair treatment as, you know, as a sex-based rights, we are going to be able to, to survive all of this. This is a wave. This is just a wave. We need to survive this. It's a tsunami, but I think it's going to swing back the other direction. And when, it, and when the, the pendulum swings the other way, let's be, let's be kind, okay? Because it can swing back and then there's going to be a lot of innocent people who didn't, weren't behaving like this. Yes. And they are trans and they are yes. these other people and they need to be protected. So yeah. let's not swing back so hard to destroy people. Let's swing back in a way that we just stand our ground and we just bring things back to a calm middle. Absolutely. Well spoken. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's all we want. Thank you very much, Carter. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate really appreciate it. Your time. Uh, as a reminder, Coach Blade on Twitter Instagram, it's Blade Athletics. Um, yeah, I think, but it's actually, I had a different one on Instagram, but whatever. I mean, it's mostly oh, what's Twitter. What's one on Instagram? It's not. <laughs> no, I, I think it's just Coach Blade as well, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but I'm not there quite as much uh, as I am on Twitter, actually, because, you know, I try to keep Facebook and Instagram, like mostly not Instagram per se, but Facebook is definitely more for family and friends. I don't, I try not to get too political on there just because I have so many people from my different different parts of my life around the world. And I think the last thing they want is, is me saying political stuff all the time, but, <laughs> but, but Twitter, Twitter is, you know, Twitter is one of those things just like, you know, how, how before we had um, robocalls, we were all polite on the phone. <laughs> yes. The robocalls has made, has forced us to learn how to be rude. And I think Twitter has that purpose. I think in the, uh, in the political realm, but we all sustain it. We all need, we love those discussions. So find me on Twitter and you can yell at me all you want. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again. This was an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. And <sighs> I know our audience did as well. So appreciate it. Really yeah. appreciate your time. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye, Thank guys. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.